Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk USA. Are you tired of waiting for change? Tune into Blog Talk USA. Let your voice be heard on Blog Talk USA. Welcome, 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 everyone, to Blog Talk USA Radio, Marvelous Monday. It's so great to be right back here again with you. I've been on the run trying to get home from a meeting so that we could get started once again with this great show. We're hoping that our special guests will be coming right back here with us again tonight. We had such a wonderful time with our special guest on last week, but before we get started, we'll see if Mr. Arthur is in. We've heard from Dr. Hackney, and he will not be on with us tonight, and then Pastor Cooper is out there busy campaigning so that we can make sure he gets into office, and he will not be with us, so we'll see if our special guest is going to be able to join us again from last week, Dr. Niall Smith and Dr. Carr. So first of all, Mr. Arthur, are you there? So maybe Mr. Arthur's not in yet. And so we'll just go ahead and kick off for the evening. And once again, Ms. Rihanna will not be with us, but we look forward to her coming back very soon. And our blessings are with her and family, and they're doing, they're coming along just fine. So let me start out, since Dr. Hackney is not here, let me start out by saying that uh, continue to be very careful as you're moving about uh, from place to place because COVID still exists. We have uh, lots of family members and friends here in Tyler that went on some trips with the colleges and came back and and ended up with COVID. So it is still there. Uh, Yes, Ms. Rihanna, you can open that line. I believe that is one of our lines out of Arkansas. So by all means, we can open up that line. Dr. Niall Smith uh, and special guest that we had on last week that's going to be with us tonight. Mr. Arthur, are you there? You're not there yet. Uh, Dr. Smith, are you there? Dr. Carr, are you there? I'm here. Good evening. Yes, fine. Good evening, sir. How are you? And so welcome back. We're so excited to uh, to have you back. We we got lots and lots of phone calls of, from last week of how much people enjoyed uh, listening to you and the message from you and uh, Dr. Niall Smith. So I'm just excited that you're back here with us again tonight. And so we thank uh, Mr. Arthur for inviting you all back again. And once again, as I mentioned on last week, our doors are wide open, and you can just come back and join us at any given time. We want to talk a little bit about, uh, before we really get into the show, but just to outline what some of the things that we'd like to talk about. 
uh, and that's school shootings. Uh, Dr. Carr, you know that uh, we we had another one uh, today here in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, at the school. A 28-year-old uh, took. Well, the last time I saw, it was three children and three adults, but I believe uh, that number has risen. You may have had just, I've been in meetings all afternoon up until uh, about 7.20, so I'm not sure if there have been any more. Do you know if there are more from that shooting today in Nashville, Tennessee? I believe that uh, your information is correct. I uh, watched a bit of CNN prior to coming on tonight, and uh, the uh, number of uh, victims seems to line up with what you suggest. And that was the first note I had on my uh, blank piece of paper tonight, the Nashville shooting, because I was sure that we would get into some discussion about that. And will we have uh, Dr. Niles Smith on with us as well? Do you know? I anticipate that he will be on momentarily. Okay, okay, that's great. Well, we'll just kind of uh, chit-chat a a little bit and – and uh, then we'll we'll give him a few minutes to get in, uh, give Mr. Arthur a few minutes to get in. And uh, right. so one of yes, go ahead. And uh, for those who may have some different listeners um, uh, that may not know exactly who you are, if you take this opportunity to introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about you for those that did not get in on the show on last week. Go ahead. Bye. I am Dr. Odell Carr. I live in uh, South Arkansas, in the city of El Dorado. I'm a uh, 28-year veteran of the pulpit in the Baptist ministry, uh, and I published my first book, uh, Resurrecting the Black Man, on last year, on April 27th. And I am a grandfather, father, and husband of 40 years, and that's who I am today. That's beautiful. So so well said, and we appreciate. It. Now, did I hear you say that you're a veteran? You're a veteran in the pulpit. Yes, I've been pastoring yes. for a total of yes. twenty eight years. Yes. Correct. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, very good. Well, we're just excited uh, to have you back here with us tonight. I attended just to share this. I attended this week. I actually owned an early childhood. Uh, school academy for 20 years here in Tyler prior to my going into the military. So that's a children are very important to me. So this week, let me see, when was it? Friday, I believe I attended a, uh, a summit on, uh, on children and how we can work with the schools around the nation and the world even uh, to inspire our young young children uh, to greatness, just one child at a time. And so I, I, I think about what, uh, what this new group of students have experienced in their young lives there in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, it's just devastating to continue to hear. And so I, I, I grabbed a book that was given to me on Friday, uh, written by Stephen Covey, um, who, who is a great was a great leader in uh, leadership. I actually studied him uh, profusely, especially when I was working on my degree in political science uh, prior to uh, to running for United States Congress. And so, uh, so the book is about the leader in me. And uh, so, I, I think it's just beautiful that we can teach these young children 
uh, about all the different talents that they may not know about or may not have been unfolded or and how we can inspire them to great to do great things. We hear about young children who uh, start their businesses, whether it's with lemonade. I remember my daughter starting to sell lemonade. I remember when she was 12 and uh, and she wanted to, uh, to we reared, we moved back to Te- Tyler, Texas. And so our children, even though they were not born in Texas, they were reared here in Tyler, Texas. And so she wanted to, uh, to, to start herself a paper route. There was only, if you remember, there was only uh, young boys that used to ri- uh, drive their bicycles and throw out the papers, right? So it got really sophisticated when they started to get rid of the bicycles because they thought that was a little dangerous for the young fellows to be out on their bicycles throwing paper, especially early morning when it was kind of dark. Her father was a paper uh, route thrower when he was a young fella. And so she was the first black girl, in Ty- first girl period, I should say, in Tyler, who had a paper route. And they did a big story on her when she was 12. Of course, she had us up in the morning getting out there in the car and helping her with the paper route. But she, but she felt really great that, that she looked at that as, as her first business, that she's 12-year-old. And then she moved from selling lemonade to going on uh, and then ending up got into uh, flipping houses into real estate and she went to Temple University, became the first black uh, to become Miss Temple. I think she's been the only one, Miss Miss Temple University. She became when she was a student there and uh, but but saw all of those homes there in North Philadelphia that were deteriorating, beautiful mansions or used to be beautiful mansions owned by uh, black people. And so they, she and her husband, she eventually married a guy that she went to college with, and they started to, to rebuilding and flipping homes way back when it got so popular. Like, it's really popular now, but in the early 90s, the 90s is when she and her spouse were flipping homes. So I think about... What do they happen to TikTok too? does get banned? People just... I'm sorry, what was that? Was that you, Dr. I'm not Park? sure what that was. No, it was okay. not. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Miss Arthur, was that you? Oh, hello, Miss yes, Arthur. Ma'am. How are you? Okay. How y'all doing okay. Tonight? Come right in. How are you doing? Oh, doing, doing. Yes, I'll let you take the wheel for a few minutes, uh, Mr. Arthur, and and do our do your greetings and and whatever else that you uh, you want to say and what we want to talk about, Dr. Carr and I have already established that we really want to talk about uh, gun control, gun violence in our public schools and our private schools. And, of course, today was a private school. I believe it was a church school, right, Dr. Carr? Yes, that is correct. Uh-huh. Right. Mr. Arthur, we'll, we'll hand over to you for a few minutes, if you'd like. You say it was what, what, what happened at that school y'all talking about? You said it was a school. You didn't say what happened. Well, what happened? I, I hear the earlier part. <clears throat> See, y'all, y'all talking about I, I if you if you look at our uh, if you look at our uh, thread for that we talked to each other with, I sent the article about the school shooting in Nashville, Tennessee, a 28 year old. Did you get in on any of that? Uh, no, but you know, you can pretty much, I mean, that's, I mean, that's just an issue, period. School shootings, gun control. Yeah, so, you know, so we're gonna, well, this is the latest one today. 
And so we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about that one, but we'll just let you open up and and uh, if there's anything else that that you want to talk about, and uh, give me a few minutes and then I'll give it to you. I'll give it give I'll give it to you right now well, and I'll, I'll give it to you. Go right ahead. Well, of course, you know we started dealing with the uh, with the uh, issue with the N word issue over in uh, Grand Prairie, the uh, state conference, and I think the national is gonna be meeting this. I think they're meeting right now talking about uh, some things as far as that's concerned. Uh, and, uh, and what I'm hoping to do, <clears throat> what I'm hoping to add on this show is tell people to, uh, if, if, if your kids are first school or if your kids are, are if it's a, a racialized situation where the N-word is, is just normal and all that kind of stuff, we, we need you to call the Justice the, the, uh, Univers- the uh, 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 U.S. Department of Education to file a civil rights complaint. If you're a teacher, that's having some issues uh, with that same thing, and you're not getting the support. Again, file a complaint with the U.S. Department uh, uh, of Education, and uh, so we can get it on record. We, we need people to do this, you know, uh, actually nationwide, so we can bring attention to it, uh, so that we can deal with it. Uh, and, and, it's, and at the same time, we need to tell, tell our black children that this is what's happening. Uh, we don't like we don't like y'all being disrespected in class. But you in class, you have to you can't you can't be in class calling yourself the N word. You can't be allowing folks to call you the N word to be your friend. So our kids got to change their behavior also to make this work. So uh, again, you know we're, we're gonna highlight the issue. Uh, now the other aspect of it is the uh, quote black and black and brown coalition. I don't see it. I haven't seen no black and brown coalition when it comes to this issue. So uh, I think we need to, you know, at some point have a conversation with our uh, cultural conversation with our black with, with our brown brothers to uh, articulate how we feeling about the racial situation. You know, like uh, you know, like they're, you know, they're, uh, uh, you know, racist as far as not hiring blacks on their in their companies or whatever. You know, we're not getting any reciprocation. So uh, I think we need to have that conversation. And and have a realistic black and brown uh, relationship, not the one that's we hollering black and brown, and about and, and we don't hear anybody black and brown hollering black and brown. So we need to get that straight. Okay, all right. So I missed out on a little bit, Mr. Arthur, but you're saying that we need to um, we need to make sure that that brown people understand. Black people and black people understand brown people in essence. Well, we, in the context of the CRT debate and so forth that's mm-hmm. going on today, we need okay. to, we need to have come up with a new understanding because the old one ain't working. Uh, okay. you, you know, I told you last time. I, you know, I, and I like to quote Jesse Jackson on this one when he told Mayor Arrington when he was wishy-washy about supporting him for president. Uh, you can't run with the rabbits and hunt with the hounds. And, and right now, uh, the Hispanics are uh, uh, running with the rabbits, which is us, and they hunt with the hounds with that uh, white Hispanic thing. So we need to get a hold of that and be really more re- more realistic about what that is and how we need to deal with that. We can't play like it ain't there. It is, it's happening. It's one of those subliminal uh, racial things that that uh, white supremacist folks do. So they put that out. That's you know. Well, you know, white folks. They're just just European. No, they know what they're doing because they put that on their birth certificate. So they know what they're doing. They've been doing that for 
I know I've been knowing I've been knowing about that for forty years. So that's a thing. So they're uh offering them white status through that white Hispanic thing. Okay, okay. Well if I speak Hispanic if I speak Spanish I can I can be white. You know, they break it down mm-hmm. to the simplest math. I'm saying we need to that's gonna be a proper community, so we need to actually again have a conversation with them so we can everybody can be clear about what that is. But it goes back to they have to, you know, like they need to tell their kids. And again, because I talk school, and I've been, I've had them sent home calling me the N word while I'm teaching. So that's a thing. That's a real thing. It, it ain't just happening now. It's been happening for a while. So uh, sure. we just need to put it up top, talk about it, get it out, and then see what we can do about it. So how would you like to see us approach that, Mr. Arthur? Then we need to have a we need to have a uh, uh, black and brown cultural summit where we can parse all those issues, put them on the table, let everybody know how different how our community feel about it. You know what I mean? They can tell us what they think about it. Then we can see what we can do about it. But it's going to come down to respect. Uh, I remember, I, and I, I tell people about it. Uh, you know the line of demarcation when his when the black and brown uh, coalition was broken, as far as I'm concerned, was when Hillary Clinton was running against Barack Obama for president here in Texas. Uh, Barack Obama won the Democratic, you know, caucus primary. You know, you know thing that we do, which is kind of. But anyway, she, uh, you know, he won it, and Hispanics took the Democratic Party to court because, you know, they felt like. The, the way they had it set up was was against their was against them, and they wanted them to change it. So you know we voted for Barack, they voted for Hillary. Now the court threw it out because they said, of course, that we don't deal with uh, Democratic Party policies and that type of stuff. So they threw it out. But the fact that they took it to court, that's when you know, ever since then I've been watching it closely, and I think that's when the line of demarcation was. I think that's when it started, uh, and then it continued after he was president. You know I told you about. I was teaching uh, this class, and I mean, doing uh, Black History Month at Long Mill School, and uh, they announced you know, they 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 call all the president's name when they got to this was a predominantly uh, Hispanic school. When they called, when they called, got to the president and got to Barack Obama, the Hispanic kids booed him. So that's you know it, it's something they start there, but that's I, I saw it I saw it later on, you know, and so forth. You know, they didn't like his. Uh, 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 immigration policy, but then Trump come along and do all this crazy stuff, and they, you know, they seem to, I mean, more vote for him than ever. So I, don't, I mean, I don't get it. I mean, I get it. You know, they're being offered white status, and so I think they're trying to accept it. So all I'm saying is, you know, okay, if you're gonna do that, that's fine, but you know, don't pretend it's a black brown coalition. That's all I'm saying about that. You know, do what you, you know, do what you think you need to do, but you know, let everybody know what you're doing. Uh, I'm oh, I'm sorry. I, I had a. I'm sorry. I was accidentally on mute. I'm sorry. Yes, I, I, I was saying I wanted to uh, make just a comment about a statement that you made that everybody, or and I'm sure you were talking about black people in particular, uh, voted for President Barack Obama, and other people voted for Hillary Clinton, but it was a lot of uh, people here in East Texas, around in my district, actually voted for Hillary Clinton 
because and their their message was that they want absolutely wanted and want uh, at that time it was want uh, President Obama to become the first black president of the United States. They just wanted Hillary Clinton to be the president at that particular time, lots of women in particular, at that particular time. And then after she finished, then they wanted president, they wanted uh, Barack Obama to become the president. I just remember distinctly of that message in particular around women's organizations uh, that uh, that's the way they were pushing for a woman. So, but with that being said, we're, I'm ready to, to move forward and talk a little bit about, and we're going to kind of turn it over and let uh, Dr. Carr kick us off on, and Mr. Arthur, I think I was saying this before you came in, that I attended a children's summit on this past Friday at University mm-hmm. of Texas. It was really outstanding. And so uh, I picked up a book by Stephen Covey who uh, and Sean Covey, that's his son, I believe, that um, talked about uh, how important it is for uh, schools around the world, they even said around the world, uh, uh, to inspire young folks, young students, these young students that were killed today and that are going through this trauma again right now in one other school, uh, about becoming the leaders, uh, the leadership in me or the leader in me for us to, to promote the students that we come in contact with. For, for example, that, that we work with in my sorority and you and your fraternity work with, uh, with young students, even in my organization, Top Ladies of Distinction, we work with the top teams of America. But these are even students younger than this, students back down in elementary school. So as to look about them and, and encourage them and inspire them uh, to become leaders one child at a time. So, Dr. Carr, we, we want to tie in that subject along with, uh, with what happened in the uh, school today. And so we're gonna we want to hear from you and what you have to say in regards to what happened today and how we uh, what we as leaders and activists in the community can do uh, to fight against this uh, these this guns and weapons that continue uh, to take the lives of our young students. Go right ahead, sir. Thank you. I am particularly interested in in both discussions and with regards to the Nashville issue, I can't help but to think about the Bible verse where uh, there are parents or persons who brought young children to Christ that he might touch them and bless them. And I'm wondering wondering as a culture, I'm wondering as a nation, um, I'm wondering as a United States of America, what are we doing to zero in on cultivating a right mindset, a, a right understanding of what American history is all about, a, a right and better understanding of good psychology and sound thinking? I'm wondering uh, if we have evolved uh, over the last 100 years or so or have we regressed. And I think when human beings or innocent children and parents alike are killed uh, for whatever reason uh, by someone in society, there is obviously a signature that there is a cancer, there's a tumor that's growing uh, in our society. Uh, And when it comes to uh, the issue of uh, 
black and brown. Uh, when I read John Henry Clark's uh, work, and Mr. Arthur can uh, attest to this, uh, that is an issue that I think gets past uh, many people in our population, and that is that when it comes to white America, white America awards these honorary certificates of whiteness, in this case to brown people who voted the way they voted and who feel and felt the way they felt without an understanding that when white racist America looks away from themselves into the population, they see a class and color of people unlike themselves and brown seems to matter only for political expediency from what I can discern. But when it comes to the reality of what happens on the streets out here in America every day, people who look like you and people who look like me uh, are being killed, uh, and many of us for for innocent, no reason at all. So we have have an issue that I think is challenging the the heart of the nation. Uh, If we are a nation of laws, then we should be uh, producing laws that protect people. If we're a nation of, under God, then we should re- he should be reflected in our behavior towards one another. So I think that's a missing link, and this is a very healthy discussion, and I hope it's going across the country and perhaps across the globe because someone mentioned that uh, there is no black and brown coalition. That is true. There is no coalition until we come to the table, black people, brown people, and place our issues squarely on the table and discuss these things and, and work it out until we can come away with something that's amicable for both sides. So that's my general view on both topics of Nashville shooting and the black and brown coalition uh, issue. Wow, that's, that's powerful. So with all of that being said, uh, Dr. Carr, what what are your feelings about uh, gun violence, gun control, uh, however you want to word, however terms you so choose to use? Uh, but I, Mr. Arthur and I both, as you already know, uh, military, retired, Army warriors, excuse me, uh, Army, excuse me, what I'm trying to say is that we are war veterans. Served in, I served Operation Iraqi Freedom and Enduring Freedom. Mr. Arthur comes from, and he can tell you which war that that area that he comes from. Uh, we Vietnam. know the Vietnam War. Vietnam War exists during his time uh, in the military, and so uh, so when I came, I retired out in 2009, and when I came home, what I said. Uh, to my chief of policemen and to law enforcement people is that I had to strap a M16 on my shoulder and a pistol on my hip every single day to protect my hospital and protect uh, the people that were in my command. And I, I just didn't want to have to do that again. Yeah, I, I can carry uh, but uh, but I wanted the police officers in the streets uh, to protect and serve me. I'd already served uh, in that uh, in that respect as far as carrying a weapon is, is concerned. And and the more the more I see things happening day by day in these school districts, the more I feel that way. So can you share with us what uh, 
what your feelings are in regards to what you see that we, we need to do. And, 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 and let me just say that we're not trying to take anybody's weapons away from them in their home. They're, they're good for, shoot, uh, for going hunting. I grew up uh, learning how to fire and sh- shoot weapons safely out on our land, right? Uh, and, uh, but they were always, as a youngster, they were always under the auspices of, of my father and my brothers, my parents. Uh, but I could never have access to a weapon without them. And uh, so we're not, we're trying to protect our homes. If, if you try to break into our homes, yeah, we, well, we have something waiting for you if you try to break in our homes unannounced, right? But what are your yeah. feelings in regards to these weapons? And we're really, in Texas, we are, we are weaponized. We are crazy about our weapons in, in Texas. And I say we, I'm talking about Texas as a whole. Go ahead, go right ahead, sir. I uh, I think of my father, my late father, who uh, won the Purple Heart, the Korean Service yes. Medal, the Good yes. Conduct Medal in, in uh, Korea. And uh, my father yes. explained many things later in the years about his experience there that leads me to say this, that war zones in wartime, war territories and on war soils are just what you and Mr. Arthur took care of business when our country needed uh, someone to have our backs when we needed protection from, or you were there. Yes. So that was a yes, war zone that was created by whatever the issue was that caused you to be in the military services. But now that war zone, uh, is that's an authorized, uh, makes sense uh, war that's zone. Right. When it comes that's to right. guns that are placed for some reason, so significantly on our streets and guns that wind up, uh, these AR rifles that wind up in the hands of 16- and 17-year-old kids, to me, it's a signature that a war zone, in some sense, has been created by a system which is designed to denigrate and to destroy uh people of color, because that's who's okay. getting killed with these guns on the streets. And so I think there's a remarkable difference between the war zone in Korea, where my father fought, and the war sure. zones on the streets of El Dorado, Arkansas, where we are burying mm-hmm. around once a month, we're burying a 17, 16, 15-year-old youth who is dying at yeah. the hands of other uh, young people. So yes. my, my, my gut feeling is that, if you're going to live in the 21st century inside the, the United States or anywhere, uh, you better be ready because any home is subject to an attempted home invasion or some sort of a robbery or calamity. So I think it's better to keep it on ready rather than be uh, an innocent victim of a crime because society is so out of whack. Men well, and women's saying, minds are so far out of whack and off balance. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, Doc, let me, uh, let me say this. You know, uh, uh, the Turner Diaries here in America are like Mein Kampf was to the Nazis here. And yeah. in that book, yeah. what they want, they, 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 want a, they, they want a race war. So, right. mm-hmm. so you have a mm-hmm. so, so system set up, a white supremacist system, system set up where uh, uh, you can get you can get guns and drugs into my neighborhood, no problem, but you can't get food and jobs in. Okay. Absolutely. So basically, 
So basically, you are, and, I, and I'm agreeing with you, you know, because what you're saying is that they setting up scenario yes. for that. Okay. Absolutely. That's what this whole fascist moment we're in now is about. America, America's fixing to change. It's not going to be the same. There is no going back nowhere. There's no back to no normal. There's going to be a new normal, and 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 we're in the midst of the of that now to decide what that new normal is going to be. Now you got well, the one folks. They want to have a you know they want to have one of those uh, race war things. That's their that's what mm-hmm. I mean. Okay, <clears throat> but uh, uh, and, and then you got other folks like you and I myself. We want America to be a more perfect union, take that next step where everybody's actually equal, and uh, and uh, and just people just live their lives and not be uh, bothered with uh, cultural wars, that type of thing. So what I'm just saying is that we're in that moment, uh, uh, and, and so yeah, and, and, and all those guns and things like that is coming in our community. It's, it's, it's a setup. It's a setup. Bottom line. I agree. Mr. Arthur, I think if I could jump in, you just said something, and you said that we're not going back. To, we, we got a new world, and you don't know what that new world is. But I'm going to tell you that new world, you, you really, you already said it a few minutes ago. One of us said it. One of you said it. But that new world that you're talking about, and because we were talking about black and brown people, that new world is actually the brown is the new white. And, and, but they're only interested in, in the political side of the house, as, as already one of you have already said that, they're interested in the election and, and winning seats, not, not so much as. I'm going to dis- disagree with you simply because. Go ahead. No, Go right ahead. No. Hey, here, here. Brown, brown, brown's going to be the new ends. That's what's going to happen. No, no, and, brown, no. What I'm saying, but that's not that's not a that's not a, 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 a an organized race. That's a if you're talking about the N word. No, no, no. no really, I'll be clear. I'm speaking culturally. I'm speaking culturally. Right. And, I, and so am oh. I, and I and I'm speaking culturally and, and, as well. Well, yeah, and, and I get because we 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 already kind of said that that there are there are some brown people that write on their applications white. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, um, and so yeah, that's why I say the brown is the new white. Oh, okay. Well, let me say this. And, 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 go right ahead. Yeah, uh, 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 and this is what I tell. I try to get black folks to understand. You know, the, you know, the worst thing you can do, and the wrong thing you can do, is compare your compare black folks to Hispanics. Two different. That's apple and orange. That's apple and orange. We got. I, I, we understand. And but so, well, what and, we're talking about, what the question that you said is, I don't know. I mean, the statement that you said is, is the world changing? It's not going back where we're in a. But after a little while, well, we're already there. We a majority minority world, and so uh, I, that new world mm-hmm. that I feel that you that this is this is me talking that mm-hmm. I believe and unequivocally, and I still believe it that that new world that is the brown uh, is the new white simply because on once again they check the box and it's they check white. And okay. I've seen it in elections. 
uh, period. And that's why I said it's the political side of the election, the elections in America. And that's what they're interested mm-hmm. in, that vote. But go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, what I'm going to say is this. What I'm going to say is this. First of all, again, you know, there are numbers, but, but, but I don't exactly believe the numbers that they give us. And, and, I, and it's simply because I know how they, you know, you know, they, you know, they, you know, they don't say what their, their, you know, real numbers are. But, but, but what I'm saying is that, uh, African Americans, opposition in America and in the diaspora here in America, we have a whole other dynamic that we work with. And I'm saying that uh, uh, the, the last thing we need to do is is to, it, 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 again, you know, since here's the thing, because the Hispanics are competing with us, and we're trying to work with them, okay? And so we just have to, we've got to figure out, is, is, that a, is that a good dynamic going forward? We've got to change, you know, that. And so, uh, uh, but, but I'm saying that, but I'm saying that we have powers here in America within the system because we've been here. We're the only group that vote 90 plus percent time together in a block. And 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 once we understand, that. and once we understand uh, that we need to develop our power outside outside of the Democratic and Republican Party, put our uh, 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 put our agenda with it and aiming at both of them with moral authority. And so, uh, you know, once we can get to that point, and I think we hear it toward that. But I think folks come to the understanding because with, 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 with what's going on with CRT, folks come to understand we're going to actually have to have educational institutions outside of the, the educational system to educate our kids about the real world and real world history. So, uh, and I think that'll, you know, that's going to create some type of, you know, reaction. I don't know what it's going to be. They probably they go, well, hey, you know, wait, y'all don't need to do that. It's going to be, you know, but but we need to do that because otherwise, hey, we just having them turn back the clock, and so I don't think we need to do that. Not for our kids. Well, we if, you, if, you, if you look at our, if you, Mr. Arthur and Dr. Carr, if you look at our demographics, they have, they've totally changed. We have a whole new America even right now. And so, so, and I'm not even just looking at the Hispanic, the brown race. I'm looking at uh, the yellow. Uh, I mean, all ethnic groups aside from uh, Caucasian uh, group. And so, once you put all of those people together, uh, all of those different ethnicities, uh, people of color. I'm talking about the progressive people of color, and and even mm-hmm. some progressive uh, Caucasian people. But th- that's going to make up. 51% of the population easily, easily. And so whoa, whoa, whoa. I, because I, well, let me just finish. I've run mm-hmm. for Congress. I've run for, uh, I've run for Congress. I've run for city council. Uh, I've seen the list of people. I've mm-hmm. seen the list in 16 counties and I've seen mm-hmm. the list in my, uh, in my district here uh, in Tyler, Texas, on city council. And I know the, eth- the, the ethnicities of the people that live in those areas. And once again, I've seen the check off in the box. And so mm-hmm. that's why I'm saying uh, that is, that's, that's the new America. Go ahead. Uh, okay. And, and all I'm saying is that I, I will say this, that, and I'm talking about as far as black people is concerned now. The new American black folk is going to have to think globally, not locally, not state, not – we have to think globally. We have to have a global – I've, I've always pushed that. I've always pushed yeah, that, thinking yeah, globally. Yeah. Uh, and so. when we take a global view, I think – and when we take a global view, what, what, what that will do 
that will that will offer up some opportunities that we don't see right now because we 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 need more people to think that way, and so and, and we do that. We're going to see more global opportunities. We're going to see that we actually have, uh, you know, we, we, we actually have a lot of power. Uh, the majority of the uh, folks in South America uh, is black, you know, in this hemisphere, as a matter of fact, is black. The politi- but the political process of electing your office is all politics are local. So that's what I was talking about, the poli- mm-hmm. politics, elections, uh, and how that piece looks. Is what I'm talking about. Yeah, the world's wide open for us to be able to do business in all parts of the world. Dr. Carr, we're mm-hmm. going to bring you in and, and, and let you join in on this conversation and tell us what your, your viewpoints are in regards to what that new America that we're talking about looks like to you. The new America, I would uh, concur, looks like what both of you have just described. And uh, my most recent research uh, comes out of the work of John Henry Clark, uh, Amos mm-hmm. Wilson, and particularly Asa Hilliard III, uh, whose uh, books I have uh, and read constantly. From, do you yes. know where Asa Hilliard III is from? I grew I, up with I, him. You know, Tyler, you Texas. Texas. Oh, Tyler, okay. Texas. Well, His well, father, Asa, wait, let me just finish. His father, Asa Hilliard II, no, the first, was our principal at Emmett Scott High School, the only principal we ever had. <laughs> Asa died in Africa, which we thought it was kind of fishy. You know, he lived, he moved and moved on over into Atlanta, Georgia, and was in mm. Africa, got sick and passed away, and they had to go get him and bring him back. But, yes, know wow. him very well. Know that Gail Hilliard, his <laughs> sister, the only one sister they had, was married to my cousin. Willie oh. <laughs> So I We're know that family extremely well, got, extremely well. You're running down my street when you're talking about his work. Right. <laughs> well, mm. it's quite all right. You know, I'm, I'm mesmerized <laughs> by his writings and his works. Brilliant. And uh, as Brilliant. I was listening on, I was thinking about uh, the his speeches, his writings yes. with Clark, yes. uh, Vance Sertima, yes. Obanga, Diop, uh, Ben Yachman, yes, all these mm-hmm. giant thinkers, these African thinkers, <laughs> they all yes. are saying what we're sharing tonight, that we got to start looking at ourselves as a nation. we got to look at ourselves as a nation inside of another nation, as black people away from our original home, who can, mm-hmm. we can impact the entire world because of the strength, as Mr. Arthur is suggesting that we have within our own loins and in our minds and in our experience and our history and our background. So I think it's incumbent upon us to consider uh, a national view of ourselves so that we can deeply and more clearly and concisely (laughs) understand what brother and sister is all about. It's about having a global view uh, a global arming, a global weaponizing of ourselves so that we can take our place on the on the stage of history like we were, you know, thousands of years before the Europeans came and started putting mud in the water, if you will. So so we we have much work to do, but I believe that we can weaponize ourselves with information about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Because once Clark said this, he said, uh, 
powerful people, in this case being the white supremacists, powerful people mm-hmm. cannot afford to educate the people that they oppress. He says, because once you are truly educated, and that's what we're talking about, once you are mm-hmm. truly educated, you own acts of power, you will take it. Well, let me let me share this with you. I serve on the board of uh, King Uneufe out of uh, Nigeria. To I, I'm, I'm on the well, let me back up. I'm on the hospital foundation board here in East Texas that encompasses our new medical school that's being built, our university, University of Texas, all the hospitals under the University of Texas system, all the office, got 60-some ambulatory uh, clinics and offices here in East Texas. That's East Texas. And so uh, what I'm trying to do is connect. We have our Zooms frequently to connect these medical students at the uh, university there in Jamaica, as well as the College of Nursing students, as well as the College of Pharmacy students, so that they can zoom in to the University of Texas system and pick up and get their information and get educated right along in our University of Texas system so that they can have that same uh, America uh, education that our students have right here in America. So I'm pleased to to serve on that board. Globalization. Yes, sir. So I believe in global living. Long time ago, even when I was running for Congress, that's one of the things that I pushed is that we live in a global society. Because I I lived in 35 countries that I've been in in my career. So I know we live in a global society. And Mr. Arthur can tell you, we got military installations all over the world. There is only maybe a couple of places or so that we don't still have Vietnam. Obviously, we no, we do not, but we got military installations everywhere. That's a whole show in itself, right there. I'd be pleased yes, to sir. find out, you know, what we're doing all over the world at some point and sometimes. <laughs> and and well, we're protecting America. Remember, you mentioned <laughs> about where your your father served. Yeah. So we work, Mr. Arthur, can tell you, we work to keep war off of this soil. Yes, when we were yes. hit with 9-11, we, of course, there mean, was, there's a lot of lot of discussions about 9-11, as we all know. But, I mean, but that's the go ahead. Correct. What was this new America, new world, what it's going to look like? I mean, that's the question. That's, what, that's, what, that's the question we were uh, aiming at. So... So what did you come up with, uh, uh, Doc? Well, I think that the new the new America seems to me to coincide with the title of my second book that I'm working on presently, which is entitled An Urgent Agenda for an Emerging New World. And these are new world issues. Uh, the Black and Brown Coalition does it exist, does it not. Uh, one of the chapters in my book, uh, particularly I'm addressing uh, the truth. Does the truth matter to black people in the 21st century? So uh, I'm, I'm working on this uh, as we speak, and I'm, I'm really interested in now the, 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 the word canvassing is coming to mind because if I'm going to write about 
the black and brown coalition, if it exists, if it does not exist, and if so, to what extent, I think it'd be fair and just for me to interview people who are of uh, the brown culture, the brown color, the brown ethnicity, to find out what are they actually saying other than Anna uh, Navarro, who uh, talks uh, on The View with Whoopi Goldberg and the other uh, host there. So I'd, I'd be interested to find out what do brown people think politically, what do they think culturally, and how do we bring all of these facets together to create what is obviously going to be the new America, which looks like today, Nashville, Tennessee, and tomorrow, mm-hmm. who knows what. So I, I'm, right, I'm and, and that's what I thought. Right, that's what I thought we were talking about ethnicity-wise. And now we know how uh, Anna Navarro thinks because we. I'm, that, that's the only television that I really watch <laughs> is The View. <laughs> so we know what that. But I think what's important is the people around us. What you know, because once again, I take it back to all politics are local. I want to know what these these constituents that I see every single day. You know, I want to know what they, it's great to know what Anna Navarro thinks, but I, don't you want to know what the people think that live in your community Absolutely. that's all around you? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's a must. Mm-hmm. To make a yes. proper and judgment, there must be a proper investigation. You read something about your second book that you're writing right now. Uh, yes, sir. Do, 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 you give, uh, do you give your readers a a perspective or a rubric to kind of use when they're reading your work? Or you, is that is that in your preamble? I mean, how do you do that? Or do you or do you address that at all with readers when they read your um, books? In 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 my first book, uh, if you were to turn it uh, to the back of the slab on the the first uh, on the cover, here's what I say. I say history cannot be separated from the people whose actions give it substance. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. black slash African people living in the United States have been miseducated about themselves for centuries. Regardless of the way history unfolds, one truth remains, the spiritual and cultural heartbeats of blacks originated in Africa. And that's, that's what I thought okay. to the publishers, which is most important for the person picking up the book to look at it, uh, to go beyond the, you know, the image of myself there mm-hmm. or the, three Egyptian images, but to read a portion that would, in essence, create a desire to find out more about what I'm writing about. So, yes, the answer okay. is yes. Okay, yeah, that's it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Any, anything else in regards to that? So we know that, that uh, the people will look different. Uh, we know business will look different. We know the political parties will look different. Uh, we know that the issues uh, that people experience, people of color in particularly, uh, may look different. And, and you, I, I want to mention this, uh, Dr. Carr. Uh, there are lots of people uh, right here in, in my community. Uh, Mr. Arthur can tell you that we just finished uh, presenting the 11 
first families post-slavery that settled here in Tyler and helped to build uh, up Smith County. And so we, we had a packed house of people really wanting to know and learn about uh, their history and their background. But we've, I've had lots of people that say, uh, I, I didn't come from Africa. I, I've never been to Africa. I don't want to go to Africa. Those kind, those kinds of terminology. I mean, those kind of phrases that we hear very frequently. But after, after now, I must say that after presenting uh, the first eleven families that we covered that night during uh, Black History, this was a program that I put on for the city of Tyler. People are more open now to hearing and seeing now that they see. Uh, on tax rolls and tax records and and uh, in Bibles and wherever where people wrote down things and on quilts and so forth, now their 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 minds are a little bit more open to learning about their DNA and their history and from whence they came. Go ahead. Mm. <laughs> well, so uh, interesting. You know, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ms. Arthur. You, you know, you know, I got my ancestry DNA done. I, me, me and Doc talked about that a little bit. Oh yeah, and I was now now you know I, now you know since I since I've gotten up and all that now now I have to have to adjust to a new perspective, one that I'm walking around with 11 percent of my rapist blood flowing through my veins. Of course, I ain't mad. <laughs> my 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 grand my my paternal grandmother was part Mexican. She is part Indian too and black and even her ancestors uh, came via Africa <laughs> into, mm-hmm. uh, into America well, y'all ain't got no and lived, now. lived on the lived on the slave well of course lived on the slave plantation and uh, Dr. Carr if you come into Tyler Texas there's a street called Irwin Street E-R-W-I-N that's my uh, maiden name, and uh, and so uh, we we were able to trace eight generations back, and and of course my grandfather lived on the slave plantation here uh, in Tyler, Texas, and uh, there's one plantation that still exists here, and that's the one that he used to uh, live on. <laughs> so mm. so we're noted for the largest one and had the largest amount of slaves. Uh, is out of Marshall, Texas, right outside of uh, right outside of Marshall, Texas, in Lee, Texas, a, a community about uh, 15 miles outside of Marshall, Texas. They had over 3,000 slaves, and uh, there are people that still live offsprings of the ancestors who had slaves uh, still live on that plantation and all the people were buried on on that plantation there was a section uh for just the the black people and then of course we mr eric williams you may get to know him uh his grandmother uh great grandmother i believe it was that was um was a mistress to the slave master uh, who had children for him, and she is buried right next to him. She is uh, the only black that's buried inside of that little cove area where uh, the uh, or the family uh, of the slave master is, and the slave master himself is buried. And his wife is buried at the feet of the slave master. But uh, Mr. Williams, Eric Williams, the black man, 
great-grandmother is buried right next to his grandmother is buried right next to, is it his, which one is it, Mr. Arthur? Is it his great-grandmother, Miriam? Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it has to be, yeah. not his grandmother, his great-grandmother. Great Mm-hmm. It's very right next to the slave master. It is a very fascinating, fascinating story. We have to send you the link so that you can Please. read. And let me share with you. And we'll we'll have to bring him on sometimes. But he is trying to chase down a quilt, the uh, the the cellist quilt that was made by his ancestors on that slave plantation that ended up in uh, Europe. And we've been working on trying to get that quilt out of that museum get it back to America where it was stolen from and, uh, and put it in. Yes, I, there you go. We have, believe it or not, we have some attorneys in, in Europe that are working with us on that. Yeah. And uh, they've now since take what well, they had it on display. They've been selling replicas of it and made a gazillion dollars on it. And mm. so uh, we, we, would get, we were far along with it. And a few things have changed. They're trying to change the narrative of it and saying that it was not made at the time that it was made, but they've been saying for 40 years when it was made and where it was made and all that. We want it back so we can put it in the uh, National African American Museum in Washington, D.C. Absolutely. So it's been a big fight. Absolutely. <laughs> but, Most assuredly. Uh, yes. Yes, I yes, want to make yes. a comment about the uh, one of us, uh, one of you said a few moments ago uh, that one of the issues that black people <clears throat> like to raise in our modern times about being from Africa, and I thought about mm-hmm. one of the speeches that Malcolm X gave in his lifetime, and he, he, okay. he met with that issue because someone uh, said, well, I ain't, I ain't left lost nothing in Africa, and he said, well, you left your mind in Africa. Because the whole, the, the, the nucleus of what civilization is, world civilization, begins right there. You know, our biblical right. Moses, born and raised right there in Africa. So the, the Bible story is an African story. We just need sure a resurrecting of our minds to the facts of. And, and I was thinking about what you just mentioned about the, the plantations and the largest number of slaves uh, yes. there in that area that you're describing, and I'm mesmerized sure. to hear this. I mean, it makes me want yes. to get in my car tomorrow and drive <laughs> down and just, you know, interview you and look at sites and gather information and come you back must. and attack this issue with my second book with some of the information that I can Absolutely. gather from visiting and, well, uh, your area down there. So I'm, I'm pleased well, to hear I, this. I tell you what, we will schedule a time for you and and uh, Dr. Smith to get back down here after I return from a yes. couple of trips that I have that that we we're going to be mm-hmm. making, uh, and we we have to do that. Uh, it, I look May to it. May would be a good time. Uh, I look uh, to things of yes, sir, because we have some rich and some deep history. Mr. Arthur comes from East Texas, really. I grew up in okay. East Texas, and so in his younger days, we have some rich history. In okay. this East Texas. <laughs> well, well, East Texas rich. needs to pour it on Florida and Governor DeSantis down there. Yeah, pour it on <laughs> Governor DeSantis down in Florida and bring him up to speed. Apparently, he's he's uh, drinking <laughs> he, the wrong Kool-Aid. He's lost. There you go. There <laughs> yeah, you go. See, see, that's where that, you know, that's what you speak is why we got this anti-woke thing working. 
and see, <laughs> and, 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 and the fact of the matter is, if we can wake up East Texas, the world woke. I'm telling you, that's what I'm focused on. Some folks on East Texas. Yeah, there you go. We gotta get we gotta get him down here. <laughs> gotta get him down here. Absolutely. Well, okay, that's that's really good. Well. Let's let's go back to the children for a few minutes. Uh, we we worked that over that hour. We worked that over really strongly. But I, my, one of my real concerns, uh, uh, Mr. Arthur and, and, and Dr. Carr, is that the trauma, the trauma that our young children are experiencing day by day uh, in this uh, in these school shootings, and, and what on earth. Can we as citizens do uh, to assist them? I, now, I know uh, Texas, uh, Texas has uh, uh, set up a, a consortium of, of, of mental health people um, to, and I don't know if these are all actively working, and I think they are, and then retired people that are uh, a part of this as, as far as I can see and concern uh, or can see right now. But, uh, but, but we have to do something about this. We cannot continue to allow our children to experience this kind of trauma. I mean, it, it's, uh, and, and we consider ourselves full-fledged grown, strong, grown and strong uh, adults. Uh, but it's troubling for me uh, to see these children. Go ahead. Well, I say then, and remember now, you're not only the gun shooting, remember the, you know, don't get the racism piece with this CRT craziness going on, the disrespect <laughs> on top of it. So I'm scared of a shooter. And, 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 and I got this ongoing dynamic that's antagonistic. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. you know, I can't, again, once again, you know, we're getting a double dose. And, mm-hmm. and and the fact mm-hmm. that, look, when people tell you, I don't want my kids to feel bad, so I want you to be stupid. Hey, y'all, uh, we got to fight against that. They just call you stupid. Mm-hmm. They say, they don't care how your kids feel. And we don't care what you think about how, how your kids feel. We just don't want our kids to feel bad. Well, you know, hey, y'all, no, nah, what you going to do? That's all I'm saying. What you going to do? I think that's okay. an excellent question. And uh, in the month of June or July, one of the two, 45,000 uh Black uh, parishioners, preachers, pastors will meet in Kentucky, and we'll spend an untold number of dollars there in that state. And I think that when these issues, like the shooting in Nashville and all the shootings that are preceded the shooting in Nashville, we got to bring these things to our meetings, and we got to start mm-hmm. saying, reverends and brothers, you know, we're going to preach the gospel, and we're going to do all we can to save humanity, but people are being killed, how can we mm-hmm. curriculumize? How can we uh, invest in ourselves? Because these young people who are being killed, these are the prospective ministers, uh, church urchers, uh, uh, administrators, et cetera, et cetera. So I think, it's, I think we've got to decide that we're going to bring real-life issues to these conventions and to these meetings so that the people at the top can hear the people at the bottom ring the bell to say, are you paying attention? Because if not, things are getting worse. But if you just pay attention and let's sit down again at the table, as Mr. Arthur suggests, 
and put these things out there and find out how the people at the grassroots are feeling about what's happening. Now, I don't know if you knew this, Mr. Arthur, but the one of the young men was and his mother was interviewed on CNN today, uh, and this young man explained how he felt when the active shooter was in action shooting people. And this young man's brother in 2018 was killed in That's right. a school shooting. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really mind-boggling, too. And he explained how he felt. His mother talked about how she felt. And they just kind of were like, they expressed themselves as best they could, but it was just how can you tell the world how you feel about being in that moment when you've actually been in that moment before and it resulted in the loss of life of a loved one. So we got a we got a global problem and I thank God for this program because I think it can generate some thinking, you know, in our minds and when we start thinking about these issues and deciding to make them a priority, then I believe we can perhaps see a uh, better control or reduction of these atrocities that are taking place all over our country and they're affecting mm-hmm. our homes and our families and communities as well. So I think we well, gotta, Dr. Carr, yeah, Dr. You know, Carr, you said something, I'm sorry, you said something really caught my attention. You said that these students are uh, ushers, church leaders, pastors, preachers, uh, theologians and ministers. So what I want to say to you gentlemen, and that, and Miss Rihanna and I had a, a really deep discussion this afternoon. Miss Rihanna is, is our engineer that is, is not on with us uh, tonight. But, um, but my question for you guys after sitting and listening to the comments that you just made, uh, are, are our young children are they turning away from the church? We see we see a lot of teenagers dropping out of the church scene that that were maybe encouraged to go to church every single week, uh, and they're they're leaving. And then so why why do you think they're leaving? The I would reverse I would reverse that question. Why is the church leaving our children? <laughs> mm-hmm. You can turn it, turn it, which turn it, it is, and, and and he's right. Uh, but what I'm I'm saying is that these children, Mr. Arthur, you and probably you as well, Dr. Carr, uh, were reared up going to church every single week. I went to Bible study on Wednesday, <laughs> church on Sunday morning. Well, Church, we don't have that. We don't have that. That's in the Baptist church. But, uh, I'm, I, yeah, but uh, but um, but we had all all of the youth meetings and uh, youth conferences all over the United States of America. We we attended all of those as kids growing up, and uh, and whereas you know I was born and bred in the church, stayed in the church. But there, but this in this generation, do you see that, Dr. Carr? Do you see children turning away, teenagers turning away uh, for various and sundry reasons? Fortunately uh, for me, uh, dealing with that question, I've had the uh, opportunity to talk uh, since publishing this book to a lot of uh, 
young people under 25, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. one of the right. things That's that right. caught the attention of uh, some of the young folks who have purchased my book is uh, the chapter where we talk about uh, mass media, politics, mm-hmm. and religion. And quite frankly, uh, the white Christ is a very disturbing phenomenon to the black mm-hmm. person because the white Christ that uh, is painted across the globe uh, and the white enslaver and the white rapist and pillager, robber, thief, they they both ethnically look the same. So it's kind of caught up with us now. And we have mm-hmm. to be ready to face the reality of the God thing because these young people have no trouble with God but they have mm-hmm. a problem with how he is depicted because he looks like someone other than myself. Therefore, Reverend Dr. Carr, when I come to your church, when I walk in there and look upon the stained glass and see the beautiful image of a white Jesus, that gives me a problem. The fan to fan my face in the hot, you know, summer time and I look at the picture of God, there he is again. Uh, I learned this from looking at uh, one of Dr. Theron Williams in Indiana. He has the Bible is Black History Institute, and he taught uh, on this why the color of Jesus matters. And I was astounded to find out Mm -hmm. that in that 30-minute sector, he talked about the Salmon head. That's the Jesus Christ figure that has been replicated two and a half billion times in the twenty first mm-hmm. in the twentieth century. And when I heard mm-hmm. that, it answered a lot of questions for me that leads into this issue. That we have left the children. The church has left the children because the church to me has not to this point given a proper explanation to why culturally Christ can't look like me. So we have, if we can establish some talking points, then I think we can regain the interest and then the attendance of young people across the land. But we keep it, the white Jesus, we try to ride that wave. Uh, I think it's about over. I ask a question, has the church left the children? Because see, Again, like when I grew up, I mean, I remember sitting there. Nobody told me that that stuff was going on in Africa. Africa never came out of nobody's mouth. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? I'm Absolutely. looking at a white Jesus, and so and so. Okay, now okay, now you okay now something changed, and the church hasn't changed. They still sat in that same old snake oil to to you know to our children, and our children are confused because you know sure. they know better. Right, they know you know. They said, "No nah, way, that can't be right." But that's what they were, you know. Well, hey, I ain't got time for that. And then they were asking for well, some no. money too. You know, so now I, I got to jump in. If I can jump in on this conversation, that in my in in my church, uh, the teaching is there, and and the the uh, the descriptions of what he looks like is there. Now, as years ago, we all know that. People used to have a photograph of, of either Dr. King or one of the past presidents, and and then the the, the Jesus that had the st- long straight hair and the uh, Caucasian uh, skin. But on yesterday, I want to share this with you. On yesterday, I spoke to the uh, 
Black Student Association, only the women, because this is Women's Month. And so, so we talked a little bit about this. And so many of them say, well, you know, uh, I, I'm from Houston, Texas. I'm from Dallas, Texas. My church is, is back there in, in, in Dallas, uh, back there in Houston. Or uh, we had one from Minnesota and Wisconsin uh, because University of Texas at Tyler is the 15th uh, a college university in the country. We rate number 15 out of all the universities and colleges in this country, and that's pretty, that's pretty good. So they talked about uh, that their church was not in Tyler, uh, so which, which is no real reason not to attend because you, you have affiliates, you know. But then they but, – but this is more importantly what they said, or I, don't, I wouldn't say more importantly, but this is, these are other things that they said. They said, I don't feel like, I don't feel connected to the people uh, in church. And then one says that the church members are so, they seem very judgmental or hypocritical uh, is another thing mm-hmm. that they said. And then they said, I, I disagree with the church's stance on political and social stances. And um, so it, it, it went on and on, but those are some of the, the things. And then, and then they said, well, you know, my schoolwork and I need to study. And then on the weekends, I may need to work a part-time job. So, uh, so my work uh, and my responsibilities prevent me from attending church. Those are some of the things that, uh, that the ladies, young ladies, said on yesterday. You may have the some kind. Looking at personal context, so you know, normally from when I was there, the, the, you know, the religious flow. I'm just before now. It, it kind of went like this: you, you, cause you got grown, then you kind of went away from church, kind of did the world thing, and then at some point you kind of settled down, then you come back, right? And that was that, that was kind of like the normal flow. And, and, and now, mm-hmm. and, and now, you know, you you got out, you did the worldly thing, you got ready to come back, and the church still the same as it was, and everything else has changed, right? Technology, information. You know, you just got more information. You got more choices. You got more uh, uh, thoughts you can think that the church didn't help you get to. So you say, okay, can I bring these thoughts into this church? Will, will this church allow me to, okay, like if I believe that, if I believe that uh, you know, I'm God having a human experience, you know, can I tell them that? I told them that, what would they say about that? I'm saying, you know, judgmental is what you said, said earlier. So I'm just saying these these kids now, these girls now, they, they, they have opportunity to think new different, you know, kinds of ways, and the church having the justice. So like you say, I mean, look here, and one of my partners, I ain't going to call his name because I pray you probably know him, <clears throat> and his church, <laughs> he, he got, he got, he got Jesus with a dark tan. You know the white. Well, well, white well, well, my mother was my my Sunday school teacher as a young girl growing up, and she was my first Bible Bible teacher at home, even before I recognized and realized I was in a Sunday school class. You know, and so she told us that that Jesus was a darkened skin, that he had woolen texture hair, and and just went on describing. Mm-hmm. We never had that white photograph that most black people had in their homes uh, mm-hmm. when you younger. Do you remember that, Dr. Carr, when, when they it's had a, that photograph? <laughs> we didn't have that. We, and they we certainly didn't around. have it in our church. We didn't that's have it in our didn't. church either. That's <laughs> yeah. amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but we were always taught strictly according to what Revelation said. That's what we were taught. 
of what yes. he looked like. And that has yes. not changed. It was the same then as it is right now. So I don't know what was being taught where. I just know what I learned. Go ahead. Well, uh, go ahead. Look at Revelation. Go ahead. Revelation. I'm going to say this right quick. Every day is the last day. Now, go ahead. <laughs> that's right, because you don't. Because that's we we don't know what tomorrow holds. We just know who holds tomorrow, right? So you're 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 absolutely correct. We we better act like every day is the last day, because it just may be. What it is? <laughs> yeah, I have a famous <laughs> saying that Billy Graham said once many years ago. He said, "The day you die, that is the end of the world the last, for you." That's it. <laughs> that's exactly yeah, so correct. He's right on that. Yeah. He's right on yeah. that part. You're right on that part. I'm curious about the. I'm curious about what young people are saying, and that that group of young persons that you spoke to. I'm very curious about getting more mm-hmm. insight. I'd love to have mm-hmm. like a six point outline from mm-hmm. that group suggesting this is the reason why, and this is what we think the church can do to regain our confidence and our attention and our attendance. I'd love to see uh, something in writing that I could uh, really do some research and some study mm-hmm. and come to some mm-hmm. conclusion about what I could say from my right. pulpit. Right. Because the pulpit well, me, let, let, is a platform. Yeah. That's, oh, absolutely. It's a platform. Let me tell you what. We have a college ministry and a youth ministry that is packed at our church. Packed. Wow. And that wow. we have the we and and we have Tyler Junior College students. We have Texas College students. We provide transportation for them to get there. We provide food for them when they get there because they may not. I don't know what, especially uh, our Texas College. We don't know what the food situation looks like on the weekends, but we make sure. And 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 it, I'm sure that it looks basically the same. But at nighttime, in the evening time, after the cafeteria closes, these students need food. They're hungry. I mean, I've been a college student. Mr. Arthur's been a college student. You've been a college student. You know, you, you want something to eat. Even How many of us at the end of the evening after we have our dinner, whether it's five thirty, six o'clock or whatever time that your family has dinner, that you go back to the refrigerator and you may have a snack <laughs> of something. It may even just be a popsicle, right? But you go back for something. Part of the culture. Part of the culture. <laughs> Part of the culture. Absolutely <laughs> correct. It may be a cookie and a glass of milk. Yes. Uh, you don't know what it may be, but you go back mm-hmm. for something, right? And so yes, we have to provide correct. we have to provide for these students when they go away uh, to school and come to our, our churches. And so I, I have to say that Tyler, Texas is really, really good at reaching out to the college students. I told them on yesterday that we're still working hard to get voting booths into into uh, their school campuses. We were at Prairie View A&M University got theirs. And we've been fighting hard to try to get them here locally in Tyler, Texas, because this is what I told them in regards to voting. I said, you guys are now citizens of Tyler, Texas. You're going to be here for four years or more. So this is where you need to cast your vote because you probably nine times out of ten, you're not going to go back to the city from which you came. And most of them probably didn't get registered in the city from where they came. Uh, Some were 17 when they graduated and came here, some 18. Of course, you know you can get registered to vote at 18, but nine times out of ten, they didn't. 
And that's why we work these college campuses and teach them and show them how important uh, social, uh, civic social studies is and how important it is for them to cast their vote because guess what? Somebody in Austin, Texas, and wherever is voting on how their education, what it looks like. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so that's another reason, Dr. Carr, you need to come down and study our our students or students because students are basically the same everywhere. I think we may have so. different it, culture issues. Right. Go ahead. I'm just I'm just interested in getting down there to talk with <laughs> and to hear from the students because I think once yeah. you hear from the people who will ultimately take our places, <laughs> then we right. can okay. better prepare them to do what they ultimately will do. So I'm, I'm exactly intrigued and, and quite uh, enthused to get through Tyler to uh, have that experience. It's, uh, it's a different world here in South Arkansas, and so I'm, sure. uh, I'm, I'm in a hurry to get there to feel <laughs> what that experience is going to be like. So you have a, a college. You have a good, very good. You have a college campus there in South Arkansas. We have a we have a community college here in El Dorado, okay. and we have Southern Arkansas University about thirty five miles uh, west of us yes, in the city of Magnolia, and uh, of course yes, you know Philander right. at Little Rock and and other surrounding schools. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we do have a community school, but we don't have a. The, the major campus here in our city. I was actually stationed at Little Rock, uh, Arkansas, at University of uh, Arkansas at Little Rock when I was doing uh, breast cancer research for the military among African-American okay. women. And okay. so uh, so I, I got a chance to stay. And as a matter of fact, the person who took care of us and oversight was myself and my battle buddy, were the two that were stationed there, and we did research for the Army. The, and the reason being of that uh, research and, and that particular area is because we found women, women of color in particular, that in the military that was coming down with breast cancer. So uh, President Clinton's uh, first cousin, person who would oversee us, we actually did not stay on the campus. We actually stayed in her home. Okay. And uh, she was our, our guide and the person that we worked with with this particular research project. So it was a great opportunity to uh, to spend that year there at the uh, University of Arkansas at Little Rock. Fascinating. So you know what Little Rock is. <laughs> I do. <laughs> you know exactly. what it is and where it is. <laughs> it's, okay. a nice, it's a nice little city, as a matter of fact. Yeah. It is. It was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said it was. Okay. It was. Yes, it was. Okay. All right. Hey, so what else black do we see? Go, go ahead, Mr. Hey, hey, Didn't you have a black mayor in, in, in Little Rock? Yes, uh, Mayor Frank so Scott. What? Yeah, so give me an update. Yeah, I remember him. I just heard the word update. I didn't hear anything beyond that. Say so give him an update on Little Rock. Yeah. Well, uh, Little Rock seems to be one of the areas where the uh, mayor was able to survive. Uh, in my city, uh, El Dorado, we had a black woman mayor. In uh, Camden, uh, the city where my church is located, we had a black male uh, mayor. And uh, when the latest elections came and went, 
uh, we have no black faces anywhere in uh, local government uh, in any appreciable numbers. So uh, Frank Scott uh, is the mayor still in Little Rock. And if the world mm-hmm. doesn't know this, the youngest mayor in That's the right. country, the That's 18 right. years old, a young man who is from Earl, Arkansas, which is around 60 miles or so from my birthplace of Forest City. And so we're all up in the air about that. We're really proud of that. He may someday become a senator, maybe even president. Who knows? But, you know, the journey of a thousand miles begins at one step. So I think I think that Little Rock is holding its own. I don't hear a lot of noise around Mayor Scott with regards to what uh, issues he is not uh handling that the overall population agrees or disagrees with. I think he's steady, he's stable, and he seems to have a pretty good message. He's a mayor of all the people, not just mayor of just black people, and I, I kind of appreciate that right. about him. Right, and he's a Democrat as well. Now, there was another yeah. one uh, There was another one that was age, no, that's in Louisiana. He was age 19 when he was first elected. Now I know okay. that uh, Mayor Scott is—is is he forty yet? Is he I'm in his forties sure yet? I'm not sure what Mayor Scott's age is. Okay, okay. I know he's—I know he's very young, uh, and and I know he's been. Oh, I know when he was elected. I know he was in his thirties, but I can't remember how long ago that was. Okay, okay. I'm not certain about what his age is. He's yeah. a young okay. man. Okay, okay. Yes, he is. Yes, I I know that. Not a black <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> very good, very good. Well, we're always happy when we see uh, mayors uh, running these cities, and uh, in particular, young folk. That's why. That's why I, I, I'm so big on pushing young young folk to become involved in the political process because what I tell them is all. Everything is political. And you hear people say, uh, I don't get involved in politics. And I say, well, you must don't live in this world because everything is political, from the church house to Main Street. And unfortunately, Amen. it's that way, but it's in the churches, too. It's political place as well. <laughs> Would you agree, Doc? How do we get um, and how do we begin to... Uh, again, you know, the school's not 21st century, but how do we begin to direct our kids toward this new green economy that's coming? And it's going to be our oh, kind goodness. of job. Yes, and, sir. And, and again, Listen. Yes, sir. Be go, go ahead. On, uh, and so forth and so on. And we need to educate our community about it. Now, I be getting these, because, you know, you got to, you know, folks be soliciting to get solar on your house. And I keep telling them, I say, I say but, but if I'm going to pay you, Twenty thirty thousand dollars, then you know. I mean, I ain't gonna pay that much in light bill. <laughs> so you know, savings. Well, you know now. So, so anyway, it's a lot of education needs to go on. Going with that whole new let, let, Can I? Can I? May I? May I dialogue on that a little bit? Uh, first of all, mm-hmm. I'm gonna share with you, Dr. Carter, that my sister is an architect uh, and uh, designer, and so she is. If you Google her, she is the second in command to the highest person, that green green engineer and architect in the country. She's worked closely with him. 
And let me also share with you that we're in legislative session down in um, Austin, Texas, and and, and we were there uh, week before last at our uh, East Texas Coalition Summit, right, where all of the elected officials and all of the uh, various agencies from education to uh, every agency to the county level to the city level uh, met there in Austin, and our elected officials that cover East Texas uh, came to talk to us that day, and and what they said is that these green jobs and, and, and green building is a fake. <clears throat> so... <laughs> Uh, wait, 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 wait. A fake. Okay, who's that? Fake. Who's that? Greenhouse, green, no, our, no, no, our, our elected officials in, from East Texas. And, well, well, uh, no, no. and they're, and they're trying to fight against okay. that. And I think because, uh, because black, wait just a minute, let me just finish this mm-hmm. statement. But I think that because black, the black community is getting more involved in greenhouse building and seeking some of all of that money that President uh, Biden is pushing down uh, to the communities, uh, to the states in the union on infrastructure and greenhouse building. Go ahead, Ms. Arthur. Yeah, you need to say my Republican representative. You know this is political. Hmm. Uh, yes, they were. They, yes, they, they all are Republican well, representatives. We have very well, little, very few Democratic <laughs> representatives at the state level. Go ahead. Their wealth, uh, their wealth is built around oil, oil economy. So, Correct. You know, and so the oil economy is is going to go, and so you know, of course they go. You know, they don't want to see it go. You know, they don't care about blowing up the planet. You know, this won't. You know, this won't. They won't. So you know, it's kind of saying, but but again, that again that that you know them saying that that don't address what my question is. What are we doing? to direct our kids and our community for that green economy. I can tell you what we're doing in in, uh, East Texas. I can't speak for anyone else. I'm working closely with uh, Dr. Carl with with one of our uh, former football players from Tyler, Texas, uh, and we'll have to bring him on the show, Mr. Gary Baxter. And so he has a, a program called the JEWEL program. And what the JEWEL program consists of is that we reached out to the well, – we started with our own schools here, Tyler Independent School District, and then we have a Chapel Hill Independent School District. We have a black superintendent who is in charge of that district. And so we, we put uh, 95 kids on a bus, chartered bus, and carried them up to um, Waco, to uh, Texas Technical College. We also have a campus in Marshall, Texas. Uh, one of the sub campuses and and so some of the programs that they have up there is on the green job uh, building uh, they may not want to go to a four year college this is a two year college they can actually come away with an eighteen month uh, certificate on um, on greenhouse building on hVAC on plumbing uh, on uh, uh, artificial uh, intelligence uh, on drones and and uh, flying airplanes, all those kinds of things that they can do on an 18-month a cert, a certificate or they can get 
an associate arts degree because it is a two-year authorized college, uh, accredited college. So those are some of the things that we're doing. And my sister in particular is such an, she's she's such an environmentalist. And so she pushes greenhouse building every single day. All of uh, she's built libraries and all kinds of things throughout uh, Atlanta, Georgia, because that's what she does. And uh, mm-hmm. ev- everything is all green. So we're pushing that and showing black-owned businesses uh, how that they can get some of that funding to help to build our communities, in particular. Northwest Tyler, which is uh, where well, uh, African Americans, uh, most mostly African Americans live in those two communities. We had we had a town hall meeting tonight, talking about building up the community for which I I serve as the well, I hope, con, con, well, I hope, councilwoman. Oh, what happened this time? Don't try to be like what happened last time. Last time what happened was, and you remember this. They took vocational uh, education pretty much out of schools and yep. out of prison, and then they yep. and then they let these uh, and then they let these companies, especially HVAC folks, with these little fake schools, uh, get all this grant money and don't teach our community nothing. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So the mm-hmm. green economy, hope they don't run well, that well, down. Well, That's a scam. Let me tell this: we have a we're building. We already have. Uh, Dr. Carr, Carr, a um, technology career college here. It's in on the high school level. It's pre pre uh, technology career, and now we're also building a uh, early college. And these early colleges and our technology uh, college, we're teaching all of those things that Mr. Every everything that vocational programs that we had. Uh, when we were growing up and in school, is in our uh, technology and career school. They focus on careers. We, if you want to become a cosmetologist, you can graduate and already be there. Plumbing, you can graduate and already be there. Um, mm-hmm. Electrician, you can graduate and already be there. Auto mechanics, you can graduate and already be there. We have those things in the Tyler Independent School District. Yeah. Yeah, 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 y'all, 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 Mr. Arthur, Mr. Arthur spends a lot of he is quite familiar with Tyler, Texas. He spends a lot of time in in, okay. in East Texas and, and Tyler, Texas. But we are very, very blessed uh to have a very cohesive uh city mm-hmm. because because our ancestors have uh, made somebody walk to walk and talk to talk. It wasn't easy but it has happened. And we're standing on the shoulders of great ancestors that have gone on. That fought. As a matter of fact, I, I I served in a district that my ancestors fought that a black person would hold this position in District Three, and they fought that the a black person would hold the position in District Two, and it's been that way ever since they fought for that on that behalf. Mm. Wow. Yes, sir. 
Malcolm X would say okay. amen to that. Amen. <laughs> amen. So that's right. He would. He would. So well done. Well done. We 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 are we're mm-hmm. standing on we all three of us are standing on the on the shoulders of our our ancestors and Indeed and, and not just yes, yes. And and not just the ones close around us who you mentioned one a few minutes ago. I think you mentioned Malcolm X. Born yes, and bred in yes. Omaha, Nebraska. I went to his grave site. I, I, as a matter of fact, I was married in Omaha, Nebraska. My first child was born in Omaha, Nebraska. I'm, all my, oh. I got several siblings. They you know all went to University of Nebraska. Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> what happened to him up there at that Nebraska white school he was in? He, 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 he said his book about it. You know what I'm mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He said, he said everybody, you know, he wanted to be an attorney. He said everybody, and then that lady sat him down and told him, you can't be no attorney. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, right. well, let me share this with you. Uh, Dr. Carr and, and Mr. Arthur already knows this story. Uh, when I went to uh, Tyler Junior College, I was the seventh student to enroll at Tyler Junior College, and they said we needed to be nurses assistants and not registered nurses. And so they worked really hard to try to fail us, uh, so that we would not accomplish. And so I won't tell the story. I've already told it before the show. But, but years later, uh, when I got my doctorate in nursing, uh, they called me back to, to be the keynote speaker uh, doing homecoming for the big banquet at Tyler Junior College. So, uh, but if I had listened and uh, paid attention to what was being pushed to us, then if I didn't come from a strong family with strong parents, uh, I may well, I have fallen like, along the way. But I like part of that story about about uh, the guy, the, the the guy that was doing the dirt. He wound up being on your medical <laughs> service. Absolutely, That's exactly that was right. fascinating yeah. here. That was fascinating. <laughs> yeah. fascinating. Yes, sir. Yeah. And I'm sure a test. And that, was the pre- that was the president. That was the president. President of Tyler Junior College. That's who. That's who it was. That's, <laughs> see, see, that's called. See, sure, that's that's part of your synchronicity at work. See, your goodness. <laughs> do you like that? Yeah, that's how your yeah. goodness do you. They say well, you know they did. To my thank you, do you can you give me? Well, well, didn't they say the good Lord will make your enemy your footstool? Mm. He turned out. To, turned out. I didn't even look at him as that's an enemy right. anyway. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, real sir. Talk. Well, that's real talk. And you know, and we we still have a lot of work to do, but we we we've come far, but we haven't come as far as we need to come. We still got some more work, right? And that's the work that we've been outlining at the onset of the show well, and, I, and I, even into the show. Go ahead. That's night that I'm pro woke. Yeah, you pro woke. <laughs> yeah, because you see, if you sleep, you don't know what's going on around you. So you got to wake up and figure out, you know, north and south, east and west. You know, wake it up. And I think that being pro woke is the right disposition at this desperate hour. Yeah. Well, excuse me, Mr. Arthur, since you brought that term up, what does that mean exactly? It's interesting that. Uh, we were in a oh some more of the people that I was talking about a few minutes ago. <laughs> excuse me, I'm so sorry. Uh, w- w- saying that that word woke, they need to get they 
the infamous they need to get rid of that <laughs> word woke. So can we talk a little bit, Dr. Dr. Carr, start us off talking about that word woke. Well, I think it'd be better to hand the ball to Mr. Arthur to give us the uh, kickoff. Well, and that's, that's kinda, true. Because you know, uh, that's his kinda, favorite term. Yeah, you're right yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah. This, we'll, we'll hear what they not your slang, your slang <laughs> word woke. <laughs> 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 the Fox, they ain't going to call it Fox News. The Fox almost had a meltdown when they looked at the polls they did on what does woke mean. You know, now. Mm-hmm. Now they they don't look at they don't look at for them it mean anything negative and got to do with black folks they can put it in and that's what it means to them. But the people listening <laughs> to it, they understand that it has a multicultural content to it. That they, it overall okay. overall is rated very positive by the American people. So them going around hot and anti woke, that's not you know, they're not winning that argument. You know, the people right. know what you know what that is. That just means that you know about your, you know, your history you know, and, and of course, mm-hmm. it means mm-hmm. of everything that the people say that you know, and, and they actually like the term. So it's not like so it ain't like uh, defund the police. You know, and and they should right. instead of instead of defund the police, they should have been saying refund me my money <laughs> from the police. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> from the police, yeah, right. Well, 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 as you know, DeSantis did not care too much. <laughs> For it, he used it in his comments uh, about. Uh, so he he's considered a, a conservative, uh, and and there there's in my opinion, uh, what is that conserv- What does that mean? Are we conserve? What are you conserve? You conserve in something? We conserve energy, not, right? We conserve our, they say, our, our income. They say they ultra MAGA. They say they MAGA. They say they not they not they they don't even claim to be conservative. So we shouldn't, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. kind of make a when that ain't what they are. They don't they don't even say they're conservatives. They say they MAGA Republicans. That's what they say they are. We need to call them what they are. Get well, the well, DeSantis uh, said it called himself, uh, when he was making a talk about what woke meant, uh, uh, and he used the term conservative, they still use it because, and, and probably he uses it because it, he does not want to, wait, hold up, he does not want to be affiliated with with uh, Trump, and so that's probably why he says conservative rather than MAGA. He used to say MAGA Republicans because he was falling in behind Trump. But go ahead, go ahead. Well, look at all the thing I said about that is that that the way they talk in that ecosystem they in, words mm-hmm. literally don't mean anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, like anytime you talk to them, they put together a word salad, and you have to, you know, and there's and when you go in, there's really nothing there. It's just a bunch of you know, short slogans, one after another one. Mm-hmm. You know, they. Don't, I mean, they're. You know, so 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 conservative. What used to be conservative meant. You know, we had okay, like the NAACP. We worked with, like in the nineties, late. 90s, we worked with conservatives here here in Texas, and got and got it where the brothers when they got off paper they could vote. Okay. Right. And, and it was right. late. So I mean, that was a different kind of a. That that was a conservative. He was trying to figure out how to save money. If you can show them how to save money, there you go. But that ain't what that ain't what this crew is about. They don't care about no saving no money. They ain't trying yeah. to save Conserv- no money. Yeah, or, or or being wasteful. I I look at conservative as being not being wasteful, but utilizing uh, my resources and putting them to the best of where they're yeah. most effective. Yeah. What color right? the M and M? 
Look at this. Look at this review. Here's about what color? Eminem. That ain't got to do with nothing, sir. Those, you know, why they run around and drag when ain't nobody looking at them. Uh, you know, they be. <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know they're you know, shiny objects where they want you to be thinking about that, which ain't going to put a dime in your pocket. It's going to make you. And then you got. You, you got the poor white people mad because they don't want you to have nothing and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, and that's all they're doing. It, it's it's performative, it's fascist, and we need to understand what it is. They're not playing, okay? They that's mean it. And so we need to start acting like they mean it. You well, know, like even, 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 Webster, even Webster tells us uh, that their definition is that the black community, uh, they want, we want to be informed. Uh, we want to be educated. We want to have the social uh, justice that we so richly deserve. We want uh, racial equality and not inequality. So even Webster's Dictionary has definition for uh, for woke. Okay. Go ahead, Dr. Yeah. Carter, uh, uh, Dr. Carr, uh, Mr. Arthur, if uh, you speak it. I was just thinking about. I was just thinking about the word education, and I'm at age seventy. Uh, with uh, a few degrees, uh, Mm -hmm. I've had a very good indoctrination, Mm -hmm. but the need now is true education. Remember the Mm -hmm. words of Jesus Mm -hmm. the Christ, who said, Mm -hmm. you shall know the truth. Truth and and the truth truth shall set you free. So so I'm, I'm hopeful that black people everywhere who are tuning in are getting the gist of what we're saying here. And I yes. believe and I support are getting a true education about ourselves and not this mm-hmm. continual Jim Crow dressed up in right. a new suit in a different mm-hmm. office building, functioning all under right. a different name and all these you know variables and so forth and so on. I think we've got to be more alert. And, again, I compliment the developers of this program, because this is how, in my view, this is how we wake up. We yes, hear sir. about green jobs. Now I can talk to yes. my people in my circle of influence about green jobs. I can talk to young yes, people sir. about green jobs. What does it actually mean? I can That's question right. them and get answers. And when I find out what people don't know, then we can help them. So I think this program is <laughs> immensely uh, helpful uh, nationally slash globally for every yes, concern, especially of African people in America. I really do. Absolutely. Uh, beautiful. So well put. I like the way you speak. And we, what we are going to have to do is we have to invite you to come to our Thursday show where we're on television and radio at the same time to show you how technology is so amazing. Uh, we put on uh, Mr. Eric Williams, who we spoke about early on, uh, on Fizz.television. And so uh, he produces our show for us on Thursday, and we're on radio at the same time. So we're in studio. Uh, this Our headquarters for this show is out of Houston, Texas, and that's why we broadcast from our earphones and plugs and things at home. But on Thursday, we go in studio, uh, and we're there from uh, 12 until 1 o'clock. And so we'll have to invite you to come back. And Mr. Arthur comes in and sees us periodically. Uh, so we'll have to invite mm-hmm. you to come and, and Dr. Smith to come and, uh, and, and Mr. Arthur to come. And we'll, we'll have a blast. 
<laughs> and we get a lot, we people are, as a matter of fact our our phone lines the people are trying their very best to get in but but sometimes we'll open up and allow them uh to get in uh or we'll just uh, uh let them tell us what their questions are we have someone that takes the calls and tells us what their questions are and and then we'll try to answer their questions for them uh, while we're on the air, <clears throat> but basically because we we have to, we have so much to try to cover in a short period of time, to um, to we we just kind of uh, our special guests we we give them that opportunity to speak. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, anything else, Miss Arthur, that you can think that we need to cover for tonight? Uh, it's nine forty-eight, and we have about. Uh, Let's see, 12 minutes of time left, and so well, um, uh, we got. Of course, you know, uh, you know, Alvin Bragg. He's he, he's been you know he's been threatened with uh, you know with a baseball bat. Uh, oh the other my day. goodness, we have to talk about that. Yes, yes, yes. The yes. uh, you know, yes. and then we still got then we still got white privilege going on for ex white presidents. I'm saying. Wow. So, uh, so let's talk about the yeah. Well, let's 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 hone in on the uh, district attorney. Yes, I'd like to hear about kick that. Us, yes, kick us off, Mr. Arthur, with the district attorney. We know that. Uh, so you know they, uh, they, he's, they, he's they, been they, called an animal. Go go ahead. They go fake ahead. Trump. Well, they, they did good though. They fake Trump out last week, right? They mm-hmm. they sent him a fake. Have them fake. You know, you know, you know, you know the, hey, you know what? We're gonna date you Tuesday. So he went and you know he went and blew the horn, right? So they everybody shot their wide, right? <laughs> we get a congress send him a letter to out, come talk to us. Of course he didn't she didn't play them off. Jim Jordan who wouldn't who wouldn't uh, 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 you know uh, uh, reply to a subpoena, threatening somebody with a subpoena. That's how it, that's how ridiculous all that then got. So the so the congress jumped up, overreacted. Uh, 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 Trump uh, Trump. Trump got scared and told folks to go kill people, show up and tab New York. That didn't happen, you know. And so, and so, and so you know. So now we had this deal now where, you know, he's gonna be in town. I think tomorrow, Wednesday, whatever it is. So that I think they're gonna arrest him then while he's in town. I mean, they're gonna go ahead and do it while he's in town. And I think they're probably man, and they go and they're probably look at look at and if they smart, they say okay, uh, we're gonna be at this. He was going to do it here, there, and then they need, and then they probably do it somewhere else. Right. They're not going to kill well, 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 Doctor Doctor Carter, Doctor Carr, you know that um, you know what happened in Waco. Uh, uh, so, how many years ago was that? Uh, and and Trump had his uh, his uh, rally there. In Waco, I remember, yeah, I remember that. Uh-huh. I remember that. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember that. See, I don't know what I, I, you know, I don't even know what that tells us about him. We know how many people were killed there. We know how long it took for them to bring down uh, that devil, <laughs> and and then Trump is going to go there and have a and talk about it. And have well, they, a they, big they, rally. They, Go ahead. They, they remind you of something that that, that you know history wise you probably forgot. Right. Uh, Ron Ray, when he kicked off his campaign, he went to Philadelphia, Mississippi. Now what's in Philadelphia, Mississippi? 
you know, Sharon and Warren and all that kid, right? You know, he he right. gets this camp. Then look here, and then and then Shirley. Interesting. That's interesting. And then Shirley, yes, he went to while he was president. Shirley, he went to he went to Germany and went to Bitburg and laid a laid a, a wreath at the at the grave of the SS. Reagan did that. Wow. Well, people tried to take. Well, you know, Reagan couldn't be a Republican now. Yes, he could. He started it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I keep hearing the word regarding uh, President, uh, former President Trump. I keep hearing the word narcissistic uh, mentioned in connection with how he behaves and how he thinks right. of some of these idiotic uh, right. things that he says and places that he goes and so forth and so on. So I don't really know. I'm gonna, when I get off the program, I'm going to go to Webster and ask mm-hmm. Webster to tell me what <laughs> narcissistic <laughs> means so I can see how does this mirror the behavior of uh, number 45. But he, he is, oh. if there's anything such as oh. a menace to society. Wow. He, 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 well, it, it's, all, it's all about him. He only cares about him. That's what he's, he's narcissistic because that's all he cares about is himself and his greed. It, okay. I mean, he's a defiant individual. That brings uh, it home. That, oh, <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. You know, Meta, Elon Musk put out the, the uh, you know, it's AI app, right? And, right. And, you know, and you can pretty much ask it, you know, you know, stuff we've been talking about. Now, now, I think if Trump would have got hold of some AI. Lord have mercy. mercy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we'd be in real trouble by now, huh? No, man, man, man. The point is, we need, and again, go back to the kids, they need to understand that going forward, it's going to be what kind of decisions do you make? Are you a critical thinker? Do you make good decisions? It's going to give you you know what to do. But you still got to, but a human still got to make a decision. Absolutely. That's what is not being focus on with our kids that we need to really uh with right. the education system hone in on them mm-hmm. how to think and how to well, make good decisions. Exactly. Exactly. Very important life decisions. And you know something else, Dr. Carr, this guy is so narcissistic that he he'll do anything to win. He, I don't know if you read his book, the book that his niece wrote about him. He'll he'll cause he'll cause a January sixth <laughs> insurrection <laughs> in order to win an election. He'll destroy wow. try to destroy America, the yes. America that's supposed to be for uh, home of the free and the home of the brave and people who really care about what I'm saying what it's supposed to be. Right, this yes, guy is course. totally the opposite. Of what we have been told America is supposed to be. Either way, I mean, hey, here. Hey, him, talk uh, about anybody. Go ahead. Him and Rupert, him and Rupert uh, Murdoch, Murdoch, Murdoch. Super Murdoch. Yeah. immigrant. Mm-hmm. We want to talk about mm-hmm. immigration. You could use them for an example. We we, we need now. Right. We look what we got. Immigration. We got him and him. You know. So those are the two <laughs> words. Immigration. <laughs> oh boy. Well, 
the one thing that I can tell you that we have to make sure that never happens, and that is that he never walks back inside of that uh, Capitol building up there as the president of the United States in the White House. He never gets back there because if, in fact, he does, and, and I think he stands a strong chance of becoming the nominee because there are still look, – look at in, – in, in Waco, there were thousands of people – Supposedly, well, you can look and see, but it's not as large as what his well, normal, yeah. what his normal yeah, yeah. has been in the past, right? No, we're talking about we're talking about a culture, right? About a culture, you know. You seen them old pictures when when they was hanging black folks when the people sitting mm-hmm. around and they Sunday best suits, uh, eating and Absolutely. grinning, and then they, like them people that was at the whole, you remember them, them Holocaust people, how they act all wild-eyed mm-hmm. and crazy looking? Mm-hmm. Hey, mm-hmm. what are we dealing with? Mm-hmm. That's right. right well, okay, it's 9.56, guys, and so we're going to get ready to make our final comments. Uh, and so, Mr. Uh, Arthur, we, we'll go to you and let uh, Dr. Carr have us be the final one to uh, to leave, lead us out uh, tonight. It's been an amazing show, as always. Uh, we really, really enjoy when you come and join us, Dr. Carter. If you don't be careful, we're going to make you a regular. I told him that Mike was campaigning and, and uh, you know, we need a, we probably need a fill-in, so I told him I'd mm-hmm. talk to you. <laughs> so. Very good. Well, you did good, Ms. Arthur. You did good. Okay. So, that was your final comments. You got anything else you want to share with yeah, the uh, community right now? Uh, focus on the kids. If you again, if you, if you find your kids are being, uh, you got a racist situation in your schools, or whatever, file a complaint yeah. with the U.S. Department Very of good. Uh, Education, uh, Civil Rights Division. Uh, if you're a teacher, uh, uh, do the same and uh, get you some protection while you uh, deal with whatever you have to deal with if it has a racial component to it. Very good. Outstanding. Uh, Dr. Carter, I'm, I'm, uh, Dr. Carr, I'm just going to say, uh, and, and then I'll end and let you end our show for the night, uh, but, uh, but I want people to uh, just pay attention uh, to what is going on around them. I'm so concerned about the criminal justice system in this country, how corrupt things are. We would already be in prison uh, if we were defiant and, and, and how we have been a total disgrace, such as uh, Trump has been and how he is downgraded and talked about and vindic- just just been awful when it comes to uh, people who are in charge. Uh, and so my final thing is that that uh, the law is supposed to be the same for every single one of us in this country. And now I'll give it to you, uh, Dr. Carr, and thank you so very much. It is our job to ensure that our people and all people are exposed to the kind of truth that will inevitably change the world. Tonight, the topics have been excellent, and I believe that they can be accentuated if those who are on the listening in here will perhaps consider my book, Resurrecting the Black Mind. You can find it at odellcar.com. Thanks again for having me on, and I look forward to future episodes and we can share more together. Outstanding. And then once again, that's odellcar.com. Let's go and yes. get that book and read yes. and get more education 
on what the black mind, yes, yes, and how we should govern ourselves in this country. It's 959, and it's Miss Rihanna is close by and somewhere that she can play our theme song for the evening. Uh, It has been amazing. I always, always enjoy Monday nights because we have a good two hours to cover a lot of important uh, information. And so we thank uh, Odell, Dr. Odell Carr, for being a part of this show. We look forward to uh, him coming back and being with us again. So thank you, Ms. Rihanna. We're ready to take off. It's 10 o'clock p.m., and uh, we'll see you guys on next week. Be safe out there. And remember, COVID still exists, so be careful as you're around and about. Uh, continue to wash your hands really good and uh, protect yourself as best that you can. Thank you. May God bless you. We'll see you next be time. Be safe. Bye for now. Yes. Thank you. Bye. And Miss Rihanna may have fallen asleep, so hey, Dr. I'm say good hey, night to Dr. everybody. And Miss Arthur, say, unless Dr. you're going to sing for us. Yeah, Dr. <laughs> <laughs> good good night, Jim. Gentlemen, we'll see you one next day. Week. One, one day, Rihanna, one day. <laughs> when the glory comes, right? The glory There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, okay, we'll see you. Have a good evening. Be safe out All there, right. everybody. Goodbye. Good okay, good night. Bye now. Night. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.